Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I definitely say what's on my mind. And I don't live with any regret. Radio and TV broadcasting is just in my blood. I'm a Tebow. This is my DNA. And this is the Jennifer Tebow Show. And me, I'm Jennifer Tebow. (laughs) That's my new intro there. I don't know if it sounds so great. Uh, The sound volume I probably need to work on. So tell my sound engineer. Oh, wait, that's that's me. So I'll work on that. Um, Hello, 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 everyone. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the Jennifer Tebow Show. Took a small little break due to uh, a a technical difficulty and some poor scheduling on my behalf. I apologize and thank you for rejoining us today. It's Monday, June 6, 2011, and, of course, I am Jennifer Tebow. And I'm going to bring 60 minutes, now it looks like almost 59 minutes, of what will be an interesting, interesting show. Um, To all of my Facebook friends and my Twitter followers, you all know I am really, really passionate about sports. So this, the past really couple of weeks have truly taken my breath away with highs and lows. I am physically situated in the city of Dallas, and yes, I have been rooting for Dallas all along. I did say that the worst nightmare would be Dallas and Miami Heat in the finals. Not because I think Dallas can't beat the Miami Heat. It's just that they're just dredged up old memories from uh, from way back when. And so I was like, I don't like the old memories. I personally like the idea that um, the Mavericks, like they whooped up on L.A. and they whooped up on uh, uh, Oklahoma on a thunder. I would just like for us to continue just to zoom on. It feels like our year, but now we're facing the heat. So I'll talk about that a little bit as we get more into the sports portion of the show. Uh, really important, if you are interested in dialing in live to the show, you can dial in at 347-637-1837, 347-637-1837. This, is, this show is broadcast via simulcast. So we broadcast live through Blog Talk Radio. Hi, my Blog Talk Radio folks. As well as we uh, stream the show, video and audio, together through Ustream TV. So hello, my Ustream.tv followers as well. Uh, my left nearing. And so I just wanted to say hello. But if you're on Ustream but you want to dial into the show, you use the blog talk radio dial-in. So 347-637-1837. Well, it's been one heck of a past couple of weeks. I normally, you know, write down kind of a format for my show. You know, that's pretty smart, right, for a live show to actually have a format. And so because this show has been prepared for a couple of shows, I said instead of creating a brand new show like the past couple of weeks just didn't happen, I figured I would bring up some of the things that have been happening over the past couple of weeks so that we could talk about them. But as you all know, I always bring up some topic that is that winds up being a little near and dear to my heart. And so um, the idea of Freedom Riders came up, and initially I was going to talk about this whole concept of the Freedom Riders, which made their 50th anniversary um, this year. And so I was prepared to talk about that. But I wanted to talk about something that was a little bit closer to my heart, and uh, that in particular was just kind of, how far have we come? So I found myself having that question or talking about that topic with several people over the past couple of weeks. So I thought, you know, how how perfect to really talk about it, like for real, for real, as I love to say, to really talk about it um, on the show 
so that people get a good sense of, you know, what my thoughts are and would love to even have somebody dial in and chime in. Um, so with the how far have we come? Well, you all know I live in the state of Texas, and I think probably, you know, the, the South in general can be rather challenging in race relations. Um, it's odd that we should even, that we should use the word race relations in 2011, you would believe, one would really believe that things like that don't really matter as much and don't impact everyday living, uh, but in fact, they actually do. So um, one thing I've mentioned on the show before is this idea of Juneteenth, um, and one of the reasons I bring it up is because guess what? We're in the month of June. <laughs> uh, Juneteenth is a holiday that is celebrated in 37 states in the United States. So it's not just a Texas thing. Uh, But it's a holiday that celebrates the abolition of slaves. Now, what's really interesting, if you don't really take the time to talk to anyone in any level of detail about, you know, that idea and that concept, then you believe, in fact, that, oh, that's a great thing to celebrate, except for that uh, President Lincoln freed the slaves on September 22, 1862, and the slaves in Texas were the last to find out on June 19, 1865, so almost a full three years later. Now, I know that we didn't have Internet. It's not like somebody could tweet, hey, y'all are free. Leave the slave masters and go start your own life. Nothing that could happen. However, after a year, I'm quite sure most slave masters got it. They knew there were forms of communication that allowed you know that allowed people to be connected. Um, and so, I think that's one of the biggest travesties um, in our country is that we kept purposely kept people in slavery when we knew that they should have been legally free for longer. I don't know why it's a holiday. I, I can't imagine because to me it recognizes stupidity and ignorance. And it's a holiday that I would absolutely never ever celebrate. But as we talk about, you know, this upcoming so called holiday, and for those on Blog Talk Radio, I'm doing air quotes right now. But as we as we are coming closer to this holiday, it starts to really then set in uh, as far as Texas is concerned, some of the other remarkable things that have happened Namely, and you all know, I sit on the executive board for the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce and really proud to be on the executive board. It becomes to me a remarkable feat that the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, which was is was the first black chamber of commerce in the country, the first idea or concept that there would be a chamber of commerce focused on the black business person, uh, was founded in 1926. Now, if you if you could think of dates for a moment, 1926 was before the Great Depression, uh, uh, was was before not the well the Great Depression and, and before the bottom fell out of the, of the stock market and all those things in 1929. Um, it, it was also a time where we're still you know we've got Jim Crow laws and all these other things that are these barriers that are truly against uh, people of color and especially um, black people. And so to think in a state that kept people in slavery purposely for three years longer than was legally necessary, to say in that same, within that same state, something so remarkable happened, just the start of something brand new, and which was the focus on black business. Just to be a black business owner in the 1920s is remarkable enough. Um, to have the savvy and the money to be able to start your business, remarkable. But then to create this organization and have some of those founding people smart enough to say, let's create an organization so that we can be focused on black business and help the city of Dallas as well be focused on black business, that is absolutely remarkable. So now, why do I bring this up? Well, this past week, as we are just marching along, doing the things we normally do, um, also, just to add to this, by the way, I'm the communication chair for for the uh, Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Go figure that right. So I monitor the Facebook wall and whatnot. And what's really cool is that I know that I can't spend all day on Facebook. That's that's not my thing. I, I enjoy the value that Facebook brings, Twitter and all those, but I cannot spend all day monitoring. So I set up controls 
so I can be pinged when certain things hit the wall. So I don't have to constantly be looking. So I get this ping in my email that says, and I'm not going to say the name of the chamber, but it is it is an area chamber, okay? It's an area chamber that posted on the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce wall. And what they posted was very interesting. I'm going to read it. If you're so we are launching, um, we have a national partnership with the University of Phoenix, the Dallas White Chamber of Commerce does, for a, a small business series of courses that are taught by University of Phoenix faculty to our members. It's something new. It's exciting. Uh, we, are, we want to kick it off properly so that other chambers across the country can have a great experience as well. So this is a really big deal. And those um, actually will kick off on June 11th. So if you need to know more information, go to the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce website or Facebook page or just hit me up and I'll tell you all about it because I'll be there. Um, so you know, we've launched this. We've got a video about it. You know, whoop-de-woo, we're all excited. Right after one of our most recent posts about this workshop, this chamber, which shall remain very nameless, uh, they post on our wall, on our Facebook wall, if you're unable to attend the Dallas Flag Chamber of Commerce Small Business Workshop, which I thought was funny, is a workshop is taught by a facilitator. When you're being taught by a professor that potentially has a PhD, that's a little bigger than a workshop. Mary, let, let me read it. If you're unable to attend the Dallas Flag Chamber of Commerce Small Business Workshop, put our $10 Small Business Workshop on your June 21 calendar. Dream it, launch it, grow it, get over here. And then they put small business workshop, dot, 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 and more. And then they have a link, I guess, to their wall. Okay. So I see this, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty bold. You know, and I said probably a lot of extra French words in my head about the bold nature of this. So I deleted their post. I'm an administrator on the Facebook page. And then I sent them an email. So I want to read to you what I sent. All right, so I sent you, dear blah, 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 Chamber of Commerce. Again, they shall remain nameless, but they're in an area chamber. Dear blah, 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 Chamber of Commerce, on behalf of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, I would like to thank you for liking our Facebook page. As an executive board member and chair of the communication committee, I would respectfully request that you not, and I put not in all caps, post for the purpose of advertising a non-Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce event without our permission. As one of the administrators of the page, I have removed the post. If you would like to submit a formal request, please send them to me and copy our chamber's president, Charles O'Neill. And of course, I've cc'd our president on this email. I put, I'm delighted you are following us and hope we can find unique opportunities to interact in the future. For more information about our 85-year history of constructive leadership, please visit our website, www.dbcc.org. Kind regards. Okay, so that's what I sent. Really, really nice compared to what was in my head. It basically says, hey, thank you for, for being one of the people that likes our page, but I took your post down because we have a process. If you want to make a request, do so. Hey. If, and if you want to know more about us, we got an 85 year history. Here's a link. So the person who shall remain nameless too says they replied. Now this is a person who's a bar, who is a part of a business chamber, right? That's supposed to deal in business. So you know the word chamber of commerce sets a certain expectation, especially for their leadership. I will just say that. So this person replies back in a quick message, which is never a good idea. Really? Question mark. Wow. Period. Very articulate this person is. You're more than welcome to post anything to our wall without our permission. Now, I beg to differ that if I were to start posting anything, uh, it would be a problem, especially if it was some of the things that were really on my mind. So this person also took it upon themselves to then send a separate email to our president to say it's just bad Facebook form to delete postings. I have taken the liberty of unliking your page. <laughs> and so I didn't see this message, right? And so our president responds and says, hey, you and I should talk, basically. And then he forwards me the message so that I can see it. 
and says, don't worry, we'll take care of it. So I said, okay. But I see that message before I see the fact that he's replied to me. So once I saw the reply to me, I thought, okay, I feel compelled to respond. And I'm going to respond in a manner that that respects 85 years of constructive leadership that the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce has, has evolved with and grown to. Um, I represent not just me and not just the current board and the members, but all everybody before, you know, everybody that came before me and everybody that will potentially come. So I'm not going to ask a fool, even though, you know, my head says maybe a little different. So I say, hi, so-and-so. Again, they're going to remain nameless. It is most certainly not personal. As a longstanding chamber, we celebrate each chamber's progress in the community. As a matter of fact, we invite each chamber to participate in any of our events. We're moving in a unique direction with conducting radio shows and maintaining a strong social media presence. It's a great opportunity to allow us to communicate beyond our own chamber's activities. However, and that's like the great but, we do have a process to make sure what is communicated is aligned with our direction. As a business organization, I'm sure you can appreciate defined practices. We are moving in an exciting direction with a national partnership with the University of Phoenix. Our small business courses will open doors for new access to high-quality education for our members. The event on June 11th is our inaugural course. To see a post on our wall, a first-time post from your group, I might add, that indicated, and I'm paraphrasing, if you can't go to the DBCC's event, come to ours for $10, was simply not appropriate. We would never do that to you. My intent to inform you of our posting process was out of love and respect for our goals and objectives. Heck, if we approve your messaging, there's more than Facebook at our fingertips to help you. Because guess what, Nameless Chamber? I could have been using your name and giving you more pub, but you went the wrong way. Anyway, so I said, we would, and so I said but you must help us help you. Hopefully this explains the rationale for my initial outreach. My favorite phrase regarding social media is, it's just Facebook. So when people unlike our page, I don't nearly take it as personally as their intent with the fatal click. Hopefully, we can grow to celebrate each other's activities in a manner that respects each other. I will take the move, I will take the move to like your Chambers page, and we'll go from there. Enjoy your Friday. Go Mavs. All right. So this person uh, really went... Uh, beyond what I say is beyond ignorant and just, you know, I'm going to unlike your page. And, and I told our president when we talked about it, and we really were laughing at the person and at the chamber, to be honest with you. And someone said, what grade is this person in? I mean, you can't get me to believe this person is an adult and emailing back saying, oh, I'm going to hurt you. I've unliked your page. I'm like, no, that, that's fantastic because now that means you absolutely cannot post on our page. So that's what we wanted you to do. <laughs> so it's just kind of remarkable. But that's a Texas thing. I don't I don't see this those kinds of things happening when you're not in Texas. So I thought to myself, an eighty five year chamber, which is the Dallas White Chamber of Commerce, this other chamber has been around for less than twenty five years. And twenty five is nothing to be upset about. But we've been around a little longer. I mean, we've kind of figured out how to do this thing. Matter of fact, they probably have been watching our page. How else would they know to post about their thing right after ours? Mm, yeah, see, we figured out that you're watching us. So we know a lot of people are watching us to see what we're doing and how we do it, and that's fine. But, gee, Texas is very, very challenging. And so I say all that to say, you all know where I'm, you might know where I'm going with this. Guys, get out and vote. Get out and vote in Texas because I don't think the sentiment is nearly expressed um, at, at the polls like it should be. Number one, all people aren't going out. I don't care what skin color that you are. Not enough people in general are going out to vote as compared to people who are registered. Now, the problem of we don't even have a good ratio of, of eligible voters and registered voters, that's not the best ratio in Texas either. But for those who are registered, we have to get out. So we've got some very important elections coming up. And I don't want you just voting for the 2012 election, but if that's your first time voting, let's get you registered today. Uh, what I do need is as many people in the marketplace actively 
engaged in constructive leadership. You might not be a part of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, but I want you to be actively engaged in representing yourself well and understanding what good business practices are. All right, so that is my soapbox. You know, guys, I always do a soapbox first thing. So to to my nameless chamber that has a nameless representative that thought he was helping their chamber, you made it worse. All right. <laughs> so let's just flip over to a little bit of entertainment and uh, talk about a few things we're catching up. Keep in mind, uh, the Hangover Part 2 broke box office records. Um, it was expected to. I still haven't seen it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it like grossed over $100 million in the first weekend, long weekend, but it, you know, it did very, very well. So it's hard to top the first hangover. I mean, I, even I, when I go see it and walking in, like you just can't top the first one. Because even if it's outrageously funny, they have such a high bar. Now, when the first one came out, it was so funny. Uh, me and one of my best friends, we saw it on the first night it came out, and then either the next, either that Saturday or that Sunday, we saw it again. Oh, yeah, I think that that's what it was. We saw it on Friday night, and we saw it on, on Sunday night. And, I mean, laugh to tears. It just, people are just absolutely genius. So I just, I just love it. I just love it. So congratulations to the great folks at The Hangover for just making a product and bringing back comedy. You know, they always say bringing sexy back. They, they brought comedy back um, in a major way. So hopefully they'll spin off and do some things not under the brand of The Hangover, because I think that's just always going to be challenging because people have an expectation of of just far too high. But just go do other projects, um, other comedy projects, and I think that they'll do fantastic. Also, moving on, <laughs> this one was kind of interesting. Um, hackers attacked PBS. Now, PBS, public broadcast system, we all know PBS, uh, very... You know, and not saying Square is a bad thing, but very straightforward. You know, they're the documentary people. They are the people that are going to show you Sesame Street in the morning and all the things that make your child good and wholesome, and then they're going to show all the things that make the adult good and wholesome from a documentary standpoint. They cover news in a very straightforward way. Um, if you ever want the straight story, you go to PBS. Well, hackers hacked into PBS and they leaked this story saying Tupac was still alive. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it's just so – I mean, it's not funny, but it is It is really funny. Of all the networks to get hacked and for there to all of a sudden be this story out um, on that network, because then, I mean, hey, if it's on PBS, it's got to be real. So PBS was shocked, was shocked, furious, and all that good stuff, but they eventually got it down, so – I hate to tell you, but Tupac is not alive. At least, I don't. Well, at least not, not according to that story. Now, do I believe the possibility that Tupac, Biggie, and Michael Jackson are all somewhere? Uh, they probably found. They probably all figured out where Elvis was, and they're just relaxing. <laughs> That's a possibility. Um, the Tupac one, to me, is more of a possibility than uh, than the notorious B.I.G. Um, so, you know, I don't know about. Him, I think he's gone. I mean, I think he got sprayed with some bullets. He's really gone. But Tupac was you know, supposedly sprayed, but he was gone so quickly because of his religion. He was supposedly cremated within 24 hours, which is part of the Muslim religion. And so hmm, was he really gone or did, was that his great escape? And we all saw the whole Michael Jackson video. Uh, if you didn't, just go to YouTube and just search for it of supposedly the coroner uh, van being pulled, like, under that, that tunnel, which we all saw when the helicopter was following it, uh, but the coroner van being pulled in the tunnel and then Michael Jackson supposedly popping out. And, I mean, I, I don't know if it's real or not. I mean, I think it's it's a fake, but they did an excellent job because when this fake Michael Jackson pops out, I mean, he's got the mannerisms, he's got the bopping his stuff and everything. So I don't know. I guess these are things you find out when you actually die yourself and you can ask all those questions. Um, speaking of dying or almost dying is Sean Kingston. So Sean Kingston is a rapper, um, and, you know, he's young. He's 21 years old. So he's done a few things with Disney and done some other projects on his own, but he's really early in his career. And he was in Miami 
on a jet ski. Those things are so very dangerous. On a jet ski, and how about he started going way too fast. He had his girlfriend, you know, on the jet ski, too. Supposedly she complained, like, we were going way too fast. There was a bridge, apparently, that was coming up and kind of got out of control. He, you know, the girlfriend thought maybe they were going to try to go under it, but the last minute she realized that thing is too low for us to go under, and they literally crashed into a bridge. And they were in the water, and he was dying. I mean, the girlfriend bruised and whatnot, but he took the impact. And, I mean, he was blood. He was, like, vomiting blood and other things. Pinkish fluid was coming out of his mouth is what they're reporting, which when that happens, then that is an indication of of lung failure. So lung failure, while you're kind of bobbing in and out of the water, not a good combination. You're you're really getting close. You're circling the uh, drain, as they would say. Luckily, there was like an off-duty Coast Guard person that was in their boat, and they saw it, turned around, went back, rescued him, just kind of kept him afloat above water until they could really come in and truly rescue him, and he got like life-lighted out. So it was touch and go. Now, for a minute, he he then went into ICU, and now he's reported to make a full recovery. Um, it's going to be, like a, I think, like a six-week thing in the hospital for him to recover. He had some significant um, injuries where he had to have a tube and whatnot. 21 years old. So supposedly alcohol was not a part of this situation, which I'm very glad about that. You know, so it just sounds like it was either mismanagement of, you know, or disrespect of of the uh, watercraft, which happens a lot in the water, or it was, you know, just simple stupidity. I mean, it, when I saw this, when the story broke, it brought back memories of two times, my only two times of being on a jet ski. And these will, these will be my only two times. I don't care how long I live. These will be my only two times on a jet ski. One uh, was in Tampa. Florida. I was telling a friend of mine, it was in Tampa, Florida, and I didn't know that people like to play these games on these jet skis, and you try to throw the person that, that's just riding off. I didn't know those games were played. Had I known, I would have had zero times on a jet ski. And so the person that, that is driving the jet ski, he's doing it, so he's driving crazy. I'm, I'm whipping around, but I'm holding on truly for dear life. I mean, for dear life. And, I mean, it was it was really bad, but we, ne- but you know, I never fell off. You know, we never fell off. And when he got back, I mean, I looked at him like I could have killed him, and he was like, "Man, you have a strong grip." And I'm like, "And then I'm thinking, you were doing that on purpose." I just thought he didn't understand the the actual watercraft, and so that's when I realized the silly little games people play. But I gave it one more time. I was in Acapulco, and there was a bunch of us, and, you know, we get on these jet skis, and the way we did it, all the guys were driving, and all, you know, all the women were, like, in the back riding. And same thing, these guys started acting crazy and acting like they were, you know, going to crash into each other and turn off at the last minute. And so that happened. Um, it didn't crash, but the, the turn off at the last minute was too sharp, and we went flying off the jet skis. Luckily, we were dead in the middle of the water. There was nothing underneath that could hurt us, and we flew away from the watercraft, so it's not like we crashed on the watercraft, and we didn't land too close to each other, so we just plopped in the water. That's the best-case scenario. Why would you put yourself in that circumstance? So I was very mad. I actually swam back to shore, and people were like, come on, get back on. I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not playing. I don't play these games. I don't do that. I'm not that person. And it took me almost an hour to swim back because we were pretty far out. I mean, the people on the beach were little, um, and I had, and I had my life vest on, so that's harder to swim when you've got a life vest in, in, in these rolling waves. But I made it back, and I never went back out there, and that was truly my last time being um, on jet skis. So, you know, I, the, I mean, the things are a lot of fun when you're just zooming along, and, yeah, it's relaxing and all that, but... Stuff can go really, really bad. So the moral of this story is respect your watercraft if you're going to get out there. Know know all of the rules um, of the water. I guess it's not the road. All right, speaking of rules and maybe a rule breaker, Christina Aguilera has been carried out of a club again. 
I don't know what to say about Christina because I really like the girl, and I'm really confused as to why this keeps happening. Um, I know that life is kind of a little tough right now for her, and she's still in transition with, you know, her divorce and her new family dynamic and new job and kind of changing career because she's going from being a full-time singer to having more of a, a variety of jobs. So that's a change from how her life has been. But, you know, she's got the young boyfriend and the whole drinking a lot thing. And in the past, she's also battled drug addiction. It's just a lot. And she's really young. She's like 31 years old. She's too young, in my opinion, to have all these, like, hard life problems, but she does. So I just wanted to bring it up, not to say shame on Christina Aguilera, but to say that's the reality of life. Sometimes when people are dealing with a lot on their plate, they deal with it poorly, and that's what we're seeing with Christina Aguilera. So good luck to Christina. Hopefully, 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 that's like three hopefully, (laughs) she's able to really just kind of knock out some of this negative behavior because it's really, I don't think she realizes how badly it's hurting her. And she's looking old. She's looking like hard living just ages you, and that's the last thing that you need in that kind of business. So. Uh, get it together, Christina. And another one, Charlie Sheen. You know, Lord knows I could have an entire lecture for Mr. Winning himself. He is now selling his house, or one of his, or one of his homes. Um, you know, he's living a very expensive lifestyle. He's made a lot of money with Two and a Half Men, and you know, his entire acting career. But he's living a fast-paced life. I mean, he he spent. But it was reported on his binge. You know, how can it even be reported that that you had a binge to begin with? But he spent, it was like a million dollars in a day you know, on cocaine and prostitutes and just a variety of things that's really shocking that he would do something of that nature. So it's kind of sad. It's, it's really sad, to be honest with you, um, that he's got, that he's dealing with that. So, same thing I'll say with Christina. Hopefully him selling this house is very much a part of the start of his healing process to realize, you know what, it's silly for me to travel around the country and do these comedy shows that people are walking out of or asking for a refund. Let me work on me for a moment and move on. Okay. So I want to talk about politics uh, for, just a, for just a minute. Um, Sarah Palin has a new book, this new tell-all book. It's not her. It's, it's one of her aides from the 08 election it's, and has come out with this tell-all book, and it's supposed to be very negative. Um, it's out now. It was about to be out when I originally wrote this story up, but it is. Uh, but I don't know any of the updates about it. It's supposed to be very embarrassing and going to hurt um, her in her bid for uh, president, uh, Mitt Romney, if you all don't know, put his hat officially in uh, for the for the GOP uh, to be a candidate. So that'd be interesting how that all turned out. I don't know. He just doesn't come across as very presidential. He's come out being really bold. He was basically like President Obama was just wrong and he failed and all these things. I'm like, boy, those are big statements to have to debate about and defend. And it's going to be very interesting how he call themselves defending those things. Um, So, you know, I mean, if you call failure being that the unemployment rate went up by a tenth of a percentage point, that's not really failure. That is a circumstance of what it takes to recover. Um, Any kind of recovery, health recovery or anything, uh, you're going to have these ups and downs, sometimes plateaus. Now, if I see plummets, then then I worry, and that's what we have not seen yet. Uh, with our with our economy, so I still say that's a good thing. I also say that people have to stop waiting for the recovery to come and knock at their door. You're going to have to start recovering yourself. Just like with patients, they say, yeah, well, you can sit in a hospital bed all day every day and take twice as long to recover, or you can start doing extra therapy and exercises and you know those things. So we've got to do that as a country. That is very important. Now. John Edwards was indicted. Um, As you all know, he has been in the news because there have been allegations that he misused um, campaign funds uh, to fund this whole side situation he had, uh, this mistress that he had. And then, of course, you know, he fathered a child with a mistress. 
denied the whole thing vehemently, even though he was seeing the child and doing all this secretly. The woman kind of stood her ground, like, you're not going to make me out to be crazy. And so then it did come out. This was his baby. And all at the same time, his his poor wife was, like, going through cancer treatment, and she had terminal cancer. She's dying. And here he's cheating. Looked really, really bad. Uh, Edwards was in good shape to potentially be our VP, you know, to President Obama, and that all went out the window as he had these personal problems. Well, you think that was 2008. This stuff is still following him. So, you know, people are just after Edwards. I don't know if they are scared of what he can do politically. I'm not sure. But it's pretty amazing to watch that, you know, know, just consistently they're tackling uh, what he has going on. So he was indicted. I believe it was on six counts um, of misappropriating funds. Uh, He was apparently trying to marry the woman that that he fathered the child with out of, out of, outside of his marriage. Um, sources say that if they married, that she could opt not to testify against him. And so supposedly he popped the question. She said, absolutely not. Um, you know, I don't think she is going to marry him unless maybe there's some financial deal under the table that happens because it just doesn't make sense. So. You know, it just looks like he doesn't have a whole lot of friends right now. So let's just hope against hope that he really just didn't do it. So that he didn't need all these other people coming in, you know, to either choose not to testify. Be like, go ahead, tell them, tell them what you know, because you can't obviously, um, you know, know anything other than the truth. Now, whether people tell the truth is a different story. So Edwards is just in a world of trouble, a world of hurt. You also have uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, while we're sticking with politics, even though he's now out of politics. You have the Arnold, who obviously has now, it's very public, he has his mistress that was the maid in his house, who's pregnant at the same time that his wife, Maria Shriver, was pregnant with their youngest child. I mean, and it's just, it's really, really sad that that circumstance um, even exists, it's just very hard on the family to accept the deception. I think most people can accept a circumstance. It's hard to accept deception. Um, when you come out up front and say, look, this is what it is. You know, you can call me all the horrible things you want, but this is what, you know, this is this, our maid is pregnant. And the good chance that she's pregnant with my baby because this is what we did. And um, that would have saved so much. Now, they maybe would have gotten divorced then. You know, who knows? And you know, especially if you're trying to tell a woman that's pregnant with your child as well that I got somebody else pregnant at the same time because that's just nasty. But um, sure, it would have saved him a whole lot, you know, with the kids and everything else, and they would not have been going through the embarrassment that they're going through today. So um, the poor son, you know, that was that came outside the marriage, He was, like, pulled out of his little, I guess it was junior high graduation, because he was, like, like 10, 14 years old, something like that. But he was pulled out of his his school graduation. You know, now they're really trying to shelter him. Of course, he had nothing to do with this. Um, And it's just a world of mess. So, you know, oh, what a tangled web we leave when, you know, when our intent is to deceive. So it's that deception that it's just a problem. All right, so... My Facebook friends have really been talking about me because in the area of sports, in the NBA Finals, um, game one of the NBA Finals went to the Miami Heat. They won by eight points. There's a reason why I'm going to bring this up. They won by eight points, and people are like, yeah, Steve, we told you Miami's like the greatest team since sliced bread. And I'm like, well, if they are, there'd be one good slice of bread. It better taste like bread <laughs> if if they're that great. And I, I actually pulled a whole bunch of side-by-side stats that I'm going to talk about. Uh, but then game two came. So, you know, I was I was talking stuff like it's just one game and, you know, this and that and the other. So then game two rolls around. Gosh, my laptop is so out. Game two rolls around, and it is um, – it's looking like much of the same thing. It's, it's actually looking a little worse. I mean, it's looking worse. And so game two rolls around, and lo and behold, the Mavericks are down by, like, 15 points with six minutes left in the fourth quarter in game two of the finals. And all of a sudden, 
something magical happens with the Mavericks as well as with the Heat because the Mavericks just go on a rampage and they catch up. And next thing you know, you got 45 seconds left and the game is like virtually tied. And I had actually walked away from the game because I thought, well, i got to prep uh, for, you know, the show and some other things. And I just could not believe when I came back in front of television and saw that the game was, you know, could be a Maverick win. Well, as many of you know, the game was a Maverick win by two points. And it was, you know, they're calling it the greatest comeback in NBA Finals history. So that's a, you know, very nice compliment. But, of course, Miami Heat fans were like, oh, that's just a fluke, that's luck. Hey, this is when I tell you some side-by-side stats, because I am terribly confused about why Miami Heat fans believe that their Heat are superior, so far superior to the Mavericks. Now, I'm a numbers person, so I like looking at straight-up numbers. So let's talk about the straight-up numbers of it all. All right, so the Mavs, the Mavs, um, the Mavs, let me see, let me do some more, some different side-by-side. Okay. The Mavericks players, all right, so the Mavericks have older players. Okay, let's just say that. Let's just say simple things first. The Mavericks have generally older players from a tenure standpoint, the oldest being Jason Kidd, who has 16 years in the league. And uh, if I look at the stats for the Heat, they have some um, younger players. But generally, the average age of the Heat are younger. So that would make one believe, perception-wise, that the Heat, you know, were a better team. Now, the Heat has superstars. Now, superstar is not a stat. Superstar is a perception that you fans give. And so because they have this trio of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, people believe, oh, no one can, you know, beat them at all. I'm like, really? Are you... Are you really sure about that? Because I'm not so sure about that. All right. So in the regular season, in the regular season, the Mavericks ended up being number 11 for offensive, you know, for their offensive play, right? In the playoffs, number two, number 11, number two, okay? And the Miami Heat wound up being number eight in the regular season for their offensive play and also eighth. Um, in the playoffs. So the Mavericks fared better offensively in the playoffs. They got better. Basically, the Heat stayed the same. Okay, so you, are you listening, Miami Heat fans? I want to make sure you're paying attention to the, the results, not the razzle-dazzle, LeBron grabbing the, the you know rebound out the air with one hand and slam dunking it. No matter how you put the ball into the hoop, is still two points unless it's a three-point shot. Okay, so just wanted to point that out. Okay. So now let's look at defense. What offense sells tickets, defense wins games. Defense-wise, the Mavericks ended the regular season being number 14 overall. And in the playoffs, they were number 11. And if we look at defense for the Heat, they were ninth overall, so very close to the Mavs, and they were fifth in the playoffs. So it also were not too far off. So I'm trying to figure out why you all think the Heat are so far apart from the Mavericks. I mean, I'm just confused. Heat fans, you tell me. All right. So these, you know, points per, points per game that, that they make at home, the Mavericks, they average in the regular season 100.24 points per game. In the playoffs, 99.67. We look at the Heat. They average 102.06 points, so only two points off their home games. And for their points per game, in playoffs, 92.93. All right, so did you get that? In the playoffs, Mavericks, 99.67. They scored more points. Mavericks better. Heat, not so better. <laughs> I just want to make sure y'all are, like, adding this stuff and paying attention because I am rather confused. Okay, so let's, I mean, just because we're having so much fun on this, you know, let's let's talk about how many games that each have played in the playoffs leading up to the finals. They each played 15 exact games. No matter how it, it was able to, to shake out, they walked into the finals playing the exact same number of playoff games, which was 15 games. All right, let's talk about infractions. These are, you know, these are the things that are important, fouls and, and uh, whatnot. The Mavericks went into the playoffs, or during the playoffs, the Mavericks had averaged about 12, you know, infractions fouls, right? 
or I should say not infractions, but uh, 20 fouls, 20 fouls per game, right, during the playoffs. The Miami Heat, if you're interested, averaged about 18 fouls at home and 22 fouls away, okay? And Mavericks were 20 fouls at home and 21 fouls away. Very, very close to. So what I am trying to get at, and this is, you know, this is just me trying to be friendly, look at the stats, look at the true outcomes, because at the end of the day, it's wins and losses, period. And those are built by what you did on the court, not how big your name is, not how many endorsements you sold, none of that. It is based on the stats and the facts that, that all add up to a final score, whether you won by one point or whether you won by a 1,000 points. It doesn't even matter. A win is a win, a loss is a loss. So game one the, of the finals, the Heat won by eight points. Game two, the Mavericks won by two points. They just played game three, and I believe it was a two-point, yeah, it was, it was two-point game. Dirk had the final shot, and he had a chance to either tie it or to win it uh, with a made shot, and uh, the ball just, you know, bounced out. The same, by the way, the ball bounced out when I believe D. Wade had the final shot in game two. So what I'm trying to get at is, Heat fans, how do you figure that the Heat are so far advanced um, of the Mavericks? How do you figure that? Because if you look at all the numbers, the points per game, the field goal percentage, the three-point you know, percentage, um, most of them are just up and down. Either the Mavericks are a little bit better or the Heat are a little bit better. But there's nothing that's necessarily significant except for offensively, the Mavericks have averaged, you know, going into the finals playing better than the Heat. So I don't know where you get this little confidence from. The games were not won by large margins, which tells me it could have been anybody's game, and it was anybody's game, games one, two, and three. Um, I absolutely believe that the finals will go to seven games. And I really, you know, I'm going to be as biased as I can be. I want the Mavericks to win. Um, it it will be a shame whoever loses. I'll tell you that now. I believe both the Heat and the Mavericks deserve to win. Okay, they're so equally matched. It's hard to say one team deserves it more than the other. So I'm going to be very unbiased when it comes to they. Bro- they both deserve to win. The reality is one only one can win. Only one will lose. So if I have to pick, I am going to go with my home team of the Mavericks, and for a few reasons they have. They have veterans on their squad, and I think that they're just going to be hungrier. They do have an answer um, for for the Heat. When you look at the point distribution for the at point averages for everybody on the bench, the so each bench versus each bench is actually also equally yoked. So when people say, "Oh, JJ Barea," and all, you know, they just don't have an answer for everything that the Heat had. Yes, they do. You need to go look at the stats. You need to go out and tell everyone that he – go look at the stats, and then you're going to be like, oh, she's right. So maybe we shouldn't be so strong about it. It's just that the Miami Heat carry a, a, a level of glamour, just like the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Los Angeles Lakers lost to the Dallas Mavericks. So we beat up on the glamour of football – I mean, basketball, um, the, the Dallas Mavericks do because they, they just are better players. I, and, again, I'm not necessarily calling the Mavericks far better players than the Miami Heat, but I just believe that the Mavericks will not get caught up in the glamour and, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, we're not better than LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh because they they can be on any on any given Sunday, as they say that, that phrase, they absolutely can be. And the same token with the Miami Heat. So we'll see. I'm so looking forward to watching the game and just kind of keeping up uh, with uh, where things are. All right, so Shaq bids farewell to basketball on uh, Friday, June 3rd. So he officially announced his retirement officially, Twitter officially. He was Twitter official on Thursday, June 2nd. He announced it around 2 o'clock in the afternoon Central Standard Time in his own personal video with the camera, like, turned towards him and just letting all of his Twitter fans know first before he did his official announcement on Friday, June 3rd. Classy guy, 
Shaq, you look great out there. Good choice for your clothes. Um, he had a great comments. You know, it's always hard to see when people retire and when they either cry or there's like this shaky voice, like they're like they might cry. Because I just, I'm, I'm old school. I don't like to see men cry. I just, it's sad. It just makes me cry. I'm like, oh, if if a man in the room is crying, we're all in trouble. And he's such a big man. He's seven foot two, so we don't want to see him cry. And it was so great because, I mean, he was just, he came across as being so at peace with 19 years in the league. I mean, my goodness, the amount of points that, you know, that he's made, the impact that he's made to the game, you know, while while you're playing, be considered one of the top 50 players in the league while you're playing, that is a remarkable feat. Very few players got designated as one of the top 50 while they were playing. Um, and when you talk about one of the top centers in the history of the league, he's definitely in the top three, in my opinion. And so Shaquille O'Neal left a long legacy. He played with six teams, um, won championships with two of those teams, got four rings, MVP honors, I believe it was three times, 15 all-star appearances. Uh, amazingly enough, I'm rallying these off of my head because I just enjoyed watching his career and just watching him grow as both a man and a businessman as well. If you were also paying attention to his life beyond basketball, um, he, you know, if you want to talk about dollars and cents, I'm sure he made at least as much money in endorsements, which is a job to be able to acquire those, maintain uh, good endorsements. And so he had endorsements. Uh, He also mixed into his basketball life education, graduating from LSU, finishing his degree while playing basketball. He went on to the University of Phoenix to get his master's, you know, physically going to classes and and obtaining his MBA. And he's currently working on his PhD um, in in a school out of Miami. Just remarkable that a person that you would believe in your head, your head tells you, oh, he's got so much money, he can just he doesn't have to do anything. He can just do mindless nothing. But that's just not the the type of guy that he is. So, and, you know, maintaining that, that fun, positive attitude, was really passionate about the sport. Sometimes it came out in a way that the fans didn't necessarily like. But for those of us who are athletes, for those of us who appreciate being in the heat of the battle and being really serious about um, how calls are being called and, you know, the, the fairness of it all, um, you know, he he reacted in a way that he was supposed to to help shape in the pro- in the appropriate way the direction that the game went. I mean, heck, an entire system, you know, this hackershack was was named because of him because of his poor free throw shooting. And people thought, great, just you know, foul Shaq really quickly because that's like a quick turnover. He'll miss both his free throws and the team will get it back. And so when you, when they have to start changing the rules of the game because you have your mere presence has made that much of an impact, that's remarkable. I mean, that is absolutely remarkable. He was also well known um, in the NBA for really um, being close to um, charities, giving away, you know, having doing shaka claws, giving away lots of turkeys during Thanksgiving and just truly caring about the communities that he served. So from a basketball standpoint especially, that's like the model person in basketball that a team wants to be able to have a person that accepts not only their basketball role on the court, but their gentleman role within the community. And so that uh, that I salute Shaquille O'Neal as well. So hopefully I'll be able to get him on the show and he can tell us what he's up to or what he's trying to do. Uh, He talked about him being open for business um, on today. So maybe he'll be fielding all all kinds of uh, offers for what his next thing is, although he's been working on it. So Shaquille O'Neal, just thank you for the 19 years on on behalf of a person that absolutely loves sports and watching basketball. I just just thank you for being that example and that force uh, in the paint and being that, that force that pushed uh, other people to understand what it meant to be a role model in the community and give back. That was really, really important. All right, so we've got a few minutes left, and it looks like I've got about six minutes. Gosh, the time goes by so incredibly fast. 
wanted to give you a quick update on the NFL on Friday, June 3rd. The um, appeals hearing occurred where all sides could jump in and give their arguments as to why the lockout should be lifted or not, depending on what side you were on. Obviously, the um, owners wanted to keep the lockout. Uh, that is their leverage to be able to you know, get players to come to an agreement sooner than later. It's almost like you're trying to smoke them out, like, you know what? We'll just we'll just bankrupt them, and I say bankrupt. I don't mean dollars and cents, but we'll just you know suck all the oxygen out of the room, and we'll just wait till somebody says I can't breathe anymore. So you know I'll bite, and so it's an interesting battle that's happening, unfortunately, in the courts. Now what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, is from the whispers around the country and that are have been in the rooms for negotiation is that they're still really really far apart. Um, that's a sad thing, you know, and now what's happened is all the lawsuits have been enjoined, meaning they're all going to be heard at the same time. So you've got the retired players who have filed a lawsuit as well to receive the benefits that they've earned, not to get money they didn't earn, to receive benefits that they've earned. Um, and retired players are also tremendously concerned, as they should be, that their likeness and images have been used without them being compensated. So you see shows like um, ESPN Classic that will show the classic games from, you know, the 1970s. Well, you know, if if you're being shown on there and that show is generating revenue because advertising is being played during the commercial times, the people that are in that show should receive some money back. And that hasn't been happening. And so the retired players, it's like a hell of a note, right? You're like, you're up. You get up one morning and you're flipping through. You're like, oh, there's me. And you like, then you go to the mailbox. Well, surely there's got to be a check because you put me on TV to sell your advertisements and not. So not, you know, dissing ESPN Classic because I don't know in particular if they were one of the ones that engaged in displaying the retired players but not paying them. So I, I, I don't have that intel but that's an example of uh, what they're fighting for, which is, to me, correct. So it, it's rumored from the judge standpoint, it'll take a couple of weeks for the judge to come back and rule if the lockout will will remain permanent or if there will be some, some lifting of it. You know, if they don't come to an agreement CBA-wise like today, um, they're really going to have a tough time staying on schedule um, usually around July 15th is when they go into camp and then they start their preseason come usually August 1st and then regular season will start in the beginning of September. They're in dangerous jeopardy of that. And a lot of players are just flat out becoming out of shape. So they potentially will need more time just to get back into shape. So that's really important to actually know. So, um, you know, I implore the owners and, you know, and the player representatives you know, please, please, please do what's in the best interest of the players, and that's retired and active, so that, you know, everyone has a good outcome. Don't feel the pressure of of starting a season on time if it's not going to be as a win-win to the active and the retired players. Uh, I don't think we want to wait for, them, for you guys to get it right again in the next 10 years as I hear it, the CBA time frame is slated to be a 10-year agreement this time around. So I don't want you to have to try to get it right 10 years from now when you have a chance to get it right now. So good luck with all of that. Also wanted to just say hello again to the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yes, I talk about them a lot, but it is a big, important part of my life. Um, you guys know I've been a member for a while, again, member of the executive committee. Love what we do in the chamber, in particular because we hit 85 years of being a chamber of commerce, um, the oldest and largest black chamber of commerce in the country. 2,200 business members, which, you know, we were doing the, the fun math on what that meant people-wise uh, because some businesses have 80,000 employees, which all those employees are considered members of the chamber. So our our person reach through our membership is at probably around 750,000 people. So that's pretty remarkable that we have that kind of reach and social media. So it is a lot of fun 
to uh, be around the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. And also, I am still having a good time with the documentary called An Audible Soon. I'll be able to tell you all about a tour schedule as I hit a few cities to kind of capture some great interviews. Um, I cannot thank you all enough for being, for those of you who are listening live, you are true warriors to listen at 3 a.m. Central Time to the show. I can't thank you enough. Uh, the show is going, to, is going to be back on next Monday at its regular time of 6 a.m., and I'll be able to give you all sorts of updates with the playoffs, hopefully good updates with the playoffs and with even the chamber event with the University of Phoenix, which is something I definitely want to talk about. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. I look forward to us doing this again next week. I definitely say what's on my mind. And I don't live with any regret. Radio and TV broadcasting is just in my blood. I'm a Tebow. This is my DNA. And this is the Jennifer Tebow Show. And me, I'm Jennifer Tebow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.